This is the Evolve Marriage Podcast, episode 38. Today, we're talking to Dan Purcell about how to have more fun and joy in your marriage. Hi, this is Kate. And this is Eric. And this is the Evolved Marriage Podcast. Where we have fun with growth and connection. Thanks for joining us. All right, let's go. Hey, everyone, Eric here. I just wanted to announce that I'm launching a new relationship revival program uh, specifically for men. So I'm taking a limited amount of men through this program. Uh, This is a 10-week program for men who feel more like roommates than lovers with their partners and really don't take action, right? They avoid taking action because they lack the skills when it comes to communication and intimacy. So over these 10 weeks, I will give you guys actionable skills, help you out with coaching. So at the end of that 10 weeks, your relationship looks completely different and you're really leading from that healthy masculine energy, right? You're getting out of your your head, you're getting into your life, and you're really showing up uh, in the way that your wife and your family truly deserves. So if you are interested, just go ahead and click the link in the description below. Uh, We can jump on a quick chat and see if this is a good fit for you. Just get to know each other. I can tell you more about it. All right, here's the episode. All right, everyone, welcome to the Evolve Marriage Podcast. Today, we have a really special interview with Dan Purcell. Dan and his lovely wife, Emily, they're founders at Get Your Marriage On. So they have a podcast, which is absolutely amazing. They have some really great apps that Kate and I love using. They've been friends since middle school and have been married for 18 years. They're the parents of six children, dude. So I, I got to know more about how you create time for intimacy with six kids. I feel like we have two and we struggle with it. They create apps, they put on events, and they coach other couples, which is really great. So it's all designed, their message is really around strengthening your marriages in an intimate way. They love the outdoors and they're located in Southern Utah and they're in their desert home. So welcome, Dan. It's good to have you, brother. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thanks. You know, you just kind of, I, I went through your bio, right? I went through your, your big kind of intro professionally, but what's something that you want our listeners to know about you that maybe they couldn't find online about you? Uh, I like to have fun. And if it's fun, I do it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good measuring yeah. metric, I think. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. The so path of least regrets. A hundred percent, man. You know, it's uh-huh. funny. Joy is, joy is one of my values. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a year ago when I decided like, man, I need to have more joy in my life. I made it one of my values because I often find I can get into like doing mode and I'm not really Uh in the moment of joy and fun and playfulness Uh and I need to constantly be reminded because it feels awesome. Right. Or sometimes you feel guilty for taking some time for some pleasure and fun. Like, like, like the old, like how we imagine Puritans used to be like deny of all pleasure. (laughs) Life is supposed to be bleak and hard. You're supposed to do it the hard way. No, (laughs) we need to have fun. I guess like my first question is, how did you get started all this and what really drove you to this purpose of helping other couples in their marriage, especially around their intimacy? So Emily and I have been, we've had a pretty good marriage, except probably in the intimacy department. It was so-so, but we didn't know any better, partially because of upbringing and uh, culture and, and things like that. Until one day I was talking to a friend who really opened up about his sex life to me. And I was like blushing, like, no, you don't talk about your sex life with other guys. Like, you don't, you just don't do that. But he was really sincere. And the point he was making is ever since he took time to like go on certain websites he told me about and certain books he was reading and to like really make sex better for his wife, their sex life just really skyrocketed and they're communicating better. They feel like closer together. There's like a stronger bond between them. And I kind of wanted that for myself. And he was telling me about some really specific sexual behaviors that I was like, really people do that? Like, I I didn't know, like it was okay or not. Okay. So it's like a big question on my mind. So 
I think for the first time in our marriage, we had been married just over 13 years at that point. Emily and I had like really deep, very vulnerable conversations about our sex life. And these conversations went on for weeks, like deep into the night, night after night. And we were both like, you know, we don't know a lot about sex. We think it's good, but we got a lot more we need to learn. So we started finding some books, websites, podcasts, things like that. We, I think we went through 12 marriage sex related books in, in the next year. So we just really nerded out about the topic, but our marriage started to evolve and change. And we got closer together than ever. And we're like, this is so good. Having a great sex life really helps strengthen your marriage and having a strong marriage, like outside the bedroom also strengthens your sex life. It's kind of like this virtuous cycle. We just felt like we're just a different couple. We're both happier than we've ever been. We're flirting again. I kind of want to share that with other people. My background's in software development. Um, I develop, I run a software development company. We build, we build apps for all sorts of businesses. And I thought, you know, we could probably make an app that's kind of a bedroom game type of an app. But in order to build the app, we had to like really learn and research and a lot of beta testing ourselves, you know, <laughs> doing things <laughs> well, it. make it work in the lab. And that's kind of how, how that process started. But along the way, there's so much we've learned and so much is still continued to learn about building a great marriage and building a great intimate life. Dude, I absolutely love that. And, you know, I love what you're doing with your apps as well, um, because I remember when Kate and I really first started on this journey as well of kind of discovering ourselves sexually, right? We had our own beliefs, right? From our family of origin. Uh, I have a very religious background. Kate was raised in a home where it was really like sex was all about the science of it, right? So it was very like, this is dirty. Make sure you're clean. Make sure you're like all all these other ideas around sexuality. Uh And neither one of us saw sex as a form of pleasure. Pleasure. Yes, Yes, exactly. Uh Right. I think when we started to dive into this, you know, the reason your things like your apps or different books were so helpful to us is because it felt really intimidating to navigate kind of the unknown, right? And I think what we realized over time and through learning about this is like, oh, it's actually pretty simple in a sense where if you think about it, it's just play for adults, right? Like that's what when Kate and I are thinking about that. We're like, Uh let's just play. It can be messy. It can be sticky. It can be awkward. That's totally okay because that's what play is about is learning about each other. I like that. Yeah. Play for adults. A hundred percent, man. And, and I remember I love that quote too. And that really changed the way that we started to look at things. So I, I really wanted to dive in with you, Dan, about, you know, this idea of removing the pressure and moving more towards that idea of play when it comes to not only our sexuality, but also our intimate lifestyle, right? The intimacy, not only in the bedroom, but outside the bedroom. You know, three years ago, I remember before Kate and I were really starting to go down this road, I was, you know, really using our sexuality as a way to validate myself, right? So whenever I didn't really feel good about who I was in my career or as a father, I would go towards our sexuality to kind of perform and make sure that this was, this was great. And I think Kate, from her perspective, right, as a woman, as a mother, she was actually having sex with me as a way to kind of, kind of tame me, if you will. Like, Hey, if I have sex with Eric every couple of weeks, he won't kind of yell and scream and get angry. And I could just keep him kind of tame if I just have sex with him. And to her, that didn't feel enjoyable. She didn't see sex as a place where she could enjoy herself. No, it felt like she work. was just exactly right. And mm-hmm. we call it like duty sex in our marriage, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of couples fall into that dynamic. Yeah, it's it really comes down to just becoming more mature. So we when we think about sexual maturity, it's nothing to do with like the number of like novel sexual behaviors you're willing to do that's not a good indicator of sexual maturity because it can still be immature and do like kinky things in the process. So that's, that's not it to me. Maturity is more about 
your ability to hold on to yourself and be a solid person who you are, and while still being in a relationship to another person. It's kind of like an X and the Y axis, if you think of it that way. Like you, there are some people who are really solid and self-confident, but they can't be in a relationship with other people. They're, they're too much of a John Wayne type, you know, like it's me or the highway. There's, it's too strong. And there are some people who are very relationship oriented to the point where they don't have a self. Yes, they might be really good partner in these things, but because they don't have a solid person of who they are, they're kind of like a chameleon. They will blend in with the crowd and do what other people want, but they don't, but they can't be trusted. Like, would you trust a business advisor who is always going to tell you yes and do what you want to do? It doesn't kind of work that way in an intimate relationship. So it's, it's really of a maturity thing when the husband, like in this situation, like for you, you look at sex as validation because when my wife wants me sexually, it helps fill my bucket because I'm not sure of myself with her having sex with me, then I feel sure of myself in that moment. So you look at sex as a way to help kind of prop up my ego to make me feel, feel better about myself. And as you get more mature, you realize, no, I don't need that validation. Like sex becomes not, not something you seek so that it props up your ego or feel better about yourself. It comes more to like, this is something I want to share with you and do kind of with you because I want to share a sexual relationship with you. So the, the meaning of sex kind of changes from that point. And like some of the symptoms of husbands that seek for sex for validation or like they will do things, we call them covert contracts. Like you read that, you know, husbands that do more chores around the house have more sex. They call it chore play instead of foreplay. It's chore play. So they like go all in on like the dishes and the laundry and put the kids to bed with the expectation that their wife is going to be so turned on and just can't help but like jump his bones the moment she can, right? And it doesn't happen. And they kind of get frustrated and angry and their spouse is like, what? <laughs> or they'll draw a bath for her and like help her relax. And then she's so thankful that she had a night off. She goes into bed and falls asleep. So content. And he's like upset. Like that was supposed to turn her on, but he never said anything to her. He never talked about his motive for doing those things. And he was doing it all because he wanted validation. And on the wife's side with the, with the duty frame too, like if you think back to even middle school or high school uh, biology or sexual education, a lot of the sexual education is very male centric and it's not the pleasure conversation either. A lot of it's about reproduction. The man enters the woman and he ejaculates and there's sperm. And so it's very much this male story. So it's, it's very natural for a lot of women to kind of grow up thinking, well, sex is for the man. And if I don't manage his sexuality, who else is going to, I need, it's like my duty to, and that also yeah. kind of plays in this dynamic that men are weak. Like, a strong man is strong enough to manage his own sexuality. If a woman feels like she has to caretake her husband sexually, that's like hiding another child in the, in the home now to take care of, right? Like it's yeah. a duty to perform. That takes the passion away. The underlying common denominator of all this is a sense of freedom. Women who have this sense of freedom in the bedroom, like freedom, I don't have to caretake you sexually. I don't have to have this obligation to have sex with you if I don't want to. And then also for men, the, the freedom is I can feel good about myself, whether or not you're engaging sexually with me when I feel bad. I'm more free of depending on my spouse for my own sense of well-being. 
the more freedom you have in that relationship, the more passion you're going to have. You can't have passion without that freedom. If you can think like, do I have a lot of freedom in the bedroom? Or do I have a lot of freedom in my marriage? And if the answer is yes, you probably have a whole lot of passion and desire as well. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And you talked about a lot of things there that I really relate to, Dan. You know, one of the things was this idea of kind of holding on to yourself, right? Kate and I talk a lot about differentiation and, and self-validation. And we think a lot about that idea that, you know, if we're showing up to our sex life without being ourselves individually connected to ourselves, well, then it's very hard to allow another person in and have two people in this moment. And when you're talking about freedom, I think there's also a lot of safety in that, right? Not only for the feminine partner, but also for the masculine. But I 100% agree, right? When Kate can feel like, hey, no matter what I do, you got you. You will be able to create boundaries around it. You will be able to make choices. You'll be vocal about things you like or don't like. So let me ask you this. I mean, I don't want to take up too much more of your time today, but um, if you were to really think about you know, beginning of your journey, you're kind of doing this self-discovery, which you've done, and you and Emily are kind of growing your sexual relationship, right? And some of the guys and women that are listening to this um, are kind of stuck, right? We're, as men, especially, we're always focused on the how, right? This is great to talk about. But uh -huh. in terms of action, like, what do I do now, right? How do I stop listening to this podcast and take action despite my fear, right? I don't want to be turned down. I, I don't want to bid for connection and be told to kind of go away. So what's some advice in terms of action that you could help these people take in their marriages in order to really elevate fun and play when it comes to your sexuality? Great question. So we talked about pressure a little earlier on, and I think that's one place to begin. If you can get really honest and set your ego aside and have a heart to heart conversation with your wife, ask her this question. In what ways do I give you pressure to have sex with me in my relationship? And you'll probably be really surprised by the answer. I like to think of it like this. A car has an accelerator and a brake. Sometimes you even have a parking brake, right? Like pressure in the relationship is like putting your foot on the brake. And the things you're trying to do to spice things up, to heat things up, that's like stepping on the accelerator. Now imagine driving a really nice, fancy sports car and your foot is on the brake the entire time. You're still pushing on the accelerator. You're trying to go, go, go. And you'll probably go, but it'll cause a lot of damage in the process of trying to, trying to get there. And it's, you're not going to perform as well. A lot of husbands focus way too much on the accelerator. Like, I'm going to get her flowers. I'm going to give her a back massage. I, I don't know. Whatever those things. I'm going to turn her on. I'm going to you know, touch her in this right way. It's clockwise to the right or whatever <laughs> goes through their mind, right? They think technique. And there is definitely a place for that. But I think you get a lot further and faster by removing the brake, removing the pressure off the brake. There's lots of ways you can do that. Uh, so talking to your wife about, about specific things. One of the things help, that uh, can help is removing expectations. Um, sometimes you go into it with too high expectations or your spouse thinks that sex has to be at this really, really high, like earth shattering stars aligning level every single time and they're not up to that so they they'll say no but if you can just keep your expectations like communicate that no we don't have to go there that helps another thing i like to think about too is for a lot of men they think of going from their current state to uh having sex with their wife as one step like i'm sitting on the couch we're cuddling and 
I'm interested. So to me, sex is like the next step in my head. But for my wife, it might be five steps from where we are to there. And so for me, it's more like an on-off switch. For her, it's a dimmer switch. And if I think of it that way, that helps because um, what might be the next step for her is not, hey, do you want to have sex? It might be, what feels pleasurable to you right now? She might say, you know, I really like a back rub or let's go cuddle or let's go play a game or something like that. Then, then from there, you can kind of go to the next step and then to the next step. So the goal then isn't to jump right to sex. The goal is what do I need to focus on right now? Right. Instead of being so outcome oriented on the sex, focus on the task at hand. Like what is it right now that I can do to give you pleasure right now or to reduce stress or whatever. And that takes an enormous amount of pressure off and you might not have sex and that's okay. And you might have, but it'll lead to another yes, easier to another yes, the next opportunity. So um, kind of having that step-by-step approach, I think helps. Oftentimes when I think about my, cause one of the things I want to ask you, I mean, you have six kids and so you and Emily, uh, you know, you find ways to have intimacy. We have two kids at home and one of the things we're very open about is Kate and I are very open when it comes to our intimacy, right? We love to laugh like we gross out our kids every day. You know, how do you continue to create this kind of, you know, I, I'd say erotic life, but like this kind of intimate lifestyle when your kids are around in or, you know, in an appropriate way that doesn't kind of feel gross, uh-huh. but instead is all about like empowerment, playfulness, excitement, knowing that there's some kind of, you know, motives behind that, which are just like playful desire. How do you do that? You and Emily do that, you know, having such a busy home. One thing we do is we lock our bedroom every night. So kids can't just come in. So that's kind of a clear boundary we've set. And uh, Emily and I have a bedtime and I might look over and go, Mrs. Purcell, it's time for me to put you to bed. Like she loves that. Right. right? It's so we kind of have our routine. So that, that helps. So um, just to backtrack a bit. I'm an entrepreneur. I've run lots of businesses. I, I do that. So the first 12 years of our marriage, our marriage did not look like this at all. Like, like how it does now it was, I'd get up really early and I'd work all day, come home. We'd have family dinner time, you know, put the kids to bed. My wife would be so burnt out, exhausted from a long day. She'd go to sleep and I'm up till midnight working, working more. So I was always working and during this time, I told you earlier today on our pod, on this interview about when we kind of had those deep, intimate conversations, it really came up how much it, my wife felt lonely, especially in the evenings when I would go back to work and she would go to bed. And that was kind of like an aha moment. Like I need to give up working so hard and kind of really be with her. So at first it felt like a sacrifice because I'm pretty ambitious. I have goals. I got like things I want to do and products I want to launch and everything like that. So it became a choice. Like I really want to choose, choose my wife. So that's another shift that helped us kind of create a more intimate, playful lifestyle is she knows that I've got other demands on my time, other things that I want. And of all the things I, I prioritize her and I choose her. So she feels like a priority in my life. There's an app we made called Just Between Us. It's for couples that want to flirt over text messaging, but keep it super private. And um, there's no accident of accidentally sending something uh, to someone that was unintended because of the way it's developed. So we use that to kind of keep things kind of hot. 
we have no problem kissing in front of our kids, like in the kitchen. She grabs my bum and I I pat her <laughs> pat her butt too. Like we kind of do that. Our kids are always grossed out. You, mom, dad, or whatever. But I want them to see that we really like each other. One more plug for like date nights. Just make it happen. Um, even if it's a stay home date night, like being really intentional about spending time together. And it doesn't have to be elaborate or expensive, but like carving out time. Uh, and it's an uphill battle sometimes finding a babysitter. Like I remember one day, eight phone calls later, we still didn't have a babysitter. It was so frustrating. Um, and I'm just grateful our oldest is old enough now to watch the kids. So we have a built-in babysitter in our family, which is a, you know, for parents that have experienced that, that's like a huge, like liberating experience, but like you still make the effort and it'll pay dividends long-term. So Dan, where, where can people find what you do, man? I love your message. I want people to really get out there and listen to what you have, what you're putting out to the world. So where can people find you? Uh, Three places on the app store, search for intimately us. That's the main app that, um, that people can find me. And it's really like the, um, that's like our project of, of how we're like trying to help couples find more playfulness and fun in their marriage. The second is on Instagram, get your marriage on. And then I have a website with a lot of resources as well called getyourmarriageon.com. Awesome. So we'll put that all that in the show notes, listeners. So go ahead and uh, visit Dan and Emily and what they're doing. Um, you guys are doing a lot of powerful stuff. Well, thanks so much for being on here today, Dan. We, I really, really appreciate you making the time. Uh, I know how busy you are with everything you got on your plate. So for all of you guys, check us out at evolvemarriage.com for everything we do. And again, check out a lot of what Dan and Emily are doing because it had a really big impact on Kate and I's marriage. And we absolutely love what you guys are doing. So we'll chat soon, Dan. Great. Thank you, Eric. 